Welcome back to Bible Love. We are kicking off. This is funny for me. I'm in Texas, as y'all know. We're kicking off our summer 2023 series, and I'm at home with my kids on a snow day. <laughs> so there's some cognitive dissonance here. It's uh, We had thunder sleet today. My yard is white. And here we are preparing for the summer. So this is interesting. This summer, last summer, you may remember Mary Balfour uh, took the lead and did a series on women and ministry. Go back and listen to those. It's uh, folks from a variety of backgrounds. This summer, we're stepping away from the Bible. We made our way through uh, the Psalms, and it took us like four months. So now we are um, looking at things in a different way. We're inviting folks that create resources for the larger church that that help people understand uh, God's love, help people understand theology, help people understand the Bible. And so each um, time you hear us this summer, we're going to have someone who has things to hopefully help you in your own walk. And so we will introduce our first guest in just a minute. But first, let us pray. Almighty God, you proclaim your truth in every age by many voices. Direct in our time, we pray, those who speak where many listen and write what many read, that they may do their part in making the heart of this people wise, its mind sound, and its will righteous, to the honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we are so excited because today our guest is Danielle Hitchin. Danielle is the founder of Catechesis Books. She is the author of Baby Believer Primers and that whole series of Baby Believers, if you've heard about that. We're going to attach on our show notes all the ways to follow Danielle and Catechesis Books because Danielle puts out some of the best formation information I have seen out there. Um, she is a creator, a lover of God, um, a lover of the church. And I'm just so grateful that you joined us today, Danielle. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Sure thing. So we want to know a little bit more about you first, as we start, talk to us about you know, your inspiration and wanting to create um, and wanting to inform uh, folks about the seasons of the church, about how to engage their little people in the Bible and other things. Tell us where this all kind of started for you. So I never saw myself being in this kind of ministry. That was not my background or training. And, uh, you know, someone asked me when I was, um, pregnant with my second child. My oldest was 18 months old. Like, what are you doing for her spiritual formation? I was like, I'm uh, keeping her alive, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> She's 18 months old. And, but we love, love, love reading to her. And of course we had some Bible books, but they weren't great. Um, and I was like, somebody needs to write some primer style books about theology for kids. And I was like, maybe I could do that. I wonder if this has been done before. And, um, you know, one thing led to another and I decided to self publish and I found an illustrator and then we ended up partnering with Harvest House. And now we have released 10 books, which is amazing. We've got an 11th coming out in 2024. And, um, 
sort of along this journey, as I began to be a person that people knew of as producing theological materials, somebody asked me to host a podcast with another mom. And this other mom and I started thinking about things. And we were like, well, what if we talk about seasons of the church here? Like seasons is such an apt metaphor, especially for um, women in the throes of mothering young children. It's so comforting to think that this isn't going to last forever. And um, I just love how the seasons of the church year offer something to everybody in every stage of life. Um, and we see, you know, Jesus going through many different seasons in his life, which of course the church year mirrors. Um, so really I started thinking more deeply about the seasons of the church year when I started um, making this podcast. Um, the podcast only had one season is now defunct. You can look it up if you want, but I wouldn't especially recommend it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fun. It's good. It's called Sacred Season, um, and it's cute. It's got 12 episodes, but it's probably not my best work on the church year. I'd much rather somebody follow me on Instagram for that. Um, but as I began to research into the seasons of the church year more deeply, I was like, wow, this is a really incredibly powerful discipleship tool. And I started doing more and more to implement um, traditions in my own home. And I saw the ways that my kids were just soaking up the information about the church year. And it gave them handholds to process the year, like to understand, like, this is what comes next for our life. This is what we can be looking forward to. Um, and I love that how the way things started as like, fun traditions in our home are becoming more and more meaningful to my children year over year. Now they're four, six and eight. And I love that they are asking me, Oh, are we going to make candles for Candlemas or can't wait to do St. Lucy's day buns. And um, these stories are really sinking into their hearts and minds and they are being formed ever more into the image of Christ as we participate in this um, cycle of the liturgical year over and over and over again. And I just think it's such a powerful spiritual discipline and I've loved diving deeper and talking more about it. Um, so that's how, that's how I ended up kind of just yeah. talking about this more. Well, I, I want to stop because I think you are bringing something really important to life. Um, Danielle asked us kind of who were the folks that were listening um, to our podcast. And we hope it's all kinds of folks that are listening. But something that is really, uh, Danielle is a member of the Anglican Church. As you know, Alan and I are, are Episcopal priests. That the, the, the church calendar is super important in the life of both of these denominations and others. Um, Dr. Tony, who's been on often, you know, he's Baptist, but he follows the liturgical season. But I think it can be misunderstood sometimes is like, oh, that's just how we count the season <laughs> or the year. And we forget like all of these wonderful, like you were saying, how ingrained it is in your children now, how they understand the life of Jesus now because of this, how they look forward to that. And it's such a beautiful teaching um, way. I, I think we get real concentrated like on Lent and Advent, you know, those which are awesome and they're great, but there's like so many awesome other ones, you just mentioned Candlemas. So we're recording this in February, or actually the last day of January, and it's not going to come out till this summer, but Candlemas is happening February 2nd. I bet people don't even know what that is, you know? Yes. Um, or you mentioned St. Lucy Day, or just all these different wonderful mechanisms that we have to support the life of Jesus and also these awesome other saints. So I'm just 
I don't think we talk about that enough of how important it can be for our kids and adults. I agree. One way I like to explain it to people is um, I think the church year is a way of orienting and centering our life around Jesus instead of jamming our faith into our already busy life. Like if we orient ourselves around the seasons of the church year, as opposed to like, oh, yeah, we just got to get to church on Sunday and jam that in between the football games and the soccer practice and the whatever else you happen to be doing on the weekend. It's like, no, we're we find that Christ is the center and we move outward from there. Um, Oh, I love that. I think that is so needed to be heard right now in, in, in our world. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, Alan, you had a question for Danielle that you were going to, I always talk a lot, so I have to make Alan talk. <laughs> um, so I'm interested, right? Like you create resources, right? You, it's kind of like Mary Balfour and I have talked about this with preaching. Like our job is to help people understand God's love and what God has, has provided for us. That's your job too. Where, this is a really big question, I guess. Um, where does your inspiration come from? Do you have daily habits around scripture reading, around reflection, around like if you're putting out resources, how do you continue to fill your mind and your heart um, with what it requires to, to create that? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I would say it depends on the season. Um, so I would say right now I have more of what I would think of as weekly habits instead of daily habits. There was a point in my life, especially as a, as a young mom where the daily quiet time routine felt like a box to check off my list. And it made me feel like God was just one more person who needed something from me as opposed mm-hmm. to a time when I could go and be filled, um, by his word and spirit. And so at some point I just, took the daily quiet time off my to-do list. And that was so freeing for me to realize that God doesn't need anything from me. He desires me to come to him and be filled by him. And so as far as weekly habits go, I probably sit down three to five times a week with my Bible. And I just got this new um, note-taking Bible for Christmas, which I have been loving because before I was using like a little three by five Bible and it had like teeny tiny words and no room in the margins. And so the Bible I got for Christmas, it just feels luxurious. Like the margins are enormous and I can take <laughs> these notes in them. And, um, and I open that up a few times a week and I just study as much or as little as I want. I let the spirit guide what, what is capturing me? What do I want to think about? What do I want to pray through in this passage? Um, I usually do a little bit of breath prayer before I begin, just asking that I would hear what the Lord has to speak to me. And um, certainly I pray with my children every day and we pray as a family most days. Often it's in the car, which I think is an amazing time to disciple my kids because they have to sit down anyway and not do anything. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, well, why don't we use this time to like lift up the concerns and cares of the day to the Lord. And um So a lot of daily prayer happens in the car and with my children. Um, And then, of course, weekly church attendance and um, Eucharist and fellowship are just so important and such a good um, weekly reminder of the body and the kingdom that we belong to. Um, And I I just delight in going to church and worshiping most weeks. There are weeks when it's, you know, hard with the kids or something like that. But most weeks I come away just going, that was wonderful. I love church. That's awesome. I I love what how you frame that for what works for you is like 
instead of that checkbox. Cause I think we sometimes feel that way. Like, Oh, I got to get this in instead mm-hmm. of like delighting in it. And so in looking at it, you know, on a weekly basis versus a daily basis. And then that time in the car, I just love that. I mean, that's perfect. Who's not in the car with their kids? You know, I mean, I'm not, I don't have kids, but you know what I mean? Like other people, I just think that's beautiful. I didn't ask you this, so I hope I won't take you off guard, but as you've been studying um, the seasons of the church and the calendar, are there one or two that are your favorites are your favorites to do with your kids and like some of the activities around that? Um, I love Christmas tide. I mean, we just do, or we try to do 12 days of just no holds barred feasting. And my husband and I will try to plan special events or extra gifts to give over the 12 days. Often those days are actually real chill because my husband's off of work and school programs are done and like nobody's forcing me to go to Christmas parties. Oh, that sounds really grinchy of me. I don't mean it that way. I just mean no, like, I know. you know, that Advent season is just so packed full. Christmas time, there's just space to breathe. And um, we just spend the time enjoying one another as a family. We bake a lot of cookies and we play games together. And it just feels like such a joyful season. I wish that the rest of the world would hop on board and everybody could be off of work and out of school until the 5th. Um, by the time we go back to school on like the 10th or 11th day of Christmas, I'm like, I'm not done yet. I need yeah, a few more days. I need a few more. So I really do love, I love Christmas tide. Um, and then I, as far as the second one goes, I mean, I think Easter is just lovely. I love Holy Week and the, and doing the triduum with the children. We always start with a, um, a last supper and we do a liturgy and we cook the food and we drink the cups and we wash feet. And that really sets the tone um, for the next couple of days. And usually we do some something special for Good Friday. There's a station at the cross for kids or something nearby at a local church. And um, I just enjoy going through those days with the children. I'm looking forward to the day that they're old enough to do an Easter vigil, but they're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love that for myself. I just think those those days of the calendar are so special. And of course, culminating on the Feast of Easter and just the joy and the light that comes in celebrating the resurrection with the body of Christ is so wonderful. Yeah. What kind of feedback do you get from, I, I, I learned about you from Instagram, um, you know, you're, these beautiful images and posts and education that you're giving us. And we just encourage you, all of you, go follow Danielle and Catechesis books. But what kind of feedback do you get? Like people, are people surprised? Like, I didn't even know the church had a calendar or this is such a cool activity. You get, you get to make buns for St. Lucy's Day. What, what kind of feedback do you get? Um, I think by and large, I would describe most of my followers as liturgically curious. Mm. There are people who didn't necessarily grow up with the liturgy, um, but as they're raising their own children, they're looking for ways to have meaningful times of discipleship. And I think they see the value in the church year and the way that it just so clearly teaches about the life of Christ. I mean, it, it very closely tracks the life of Christ birth, death, resurrection. Um, and I, I also know that for many people my age, I am a, I think, middle of my generation millennial. So I'm not like a young millennial or super old millennial. I'm just like right there in the middle. And so there are many people my age who are raising kids. We're also seeing our peers leave the church in droves. And we all know how we grew up. Like I grew up non-denom evangelical and, um, 
I think that they're, they're looking for ways to keep people in the church that they didn't necessarily experience. So Mm. looking for more than like, this is a super fun youth group, but like, how do we learn scripture and go deeper and make disciples, not just converts of our children. And I think that's a really important part of what the church here does. It is a spiritual discipline. It is designed to exercise our discipleship muscles. It's that training for righteousness that um, is talked about in, I'm going to blank on the, reference to this now it's either hebrews or paul sorry um but we wouldn't we wouldn't know either so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm pretty sure it's a pauline epistle where he says train for righteousness it's a i think you're right verb it's train like you got to build those muscles for righteousness and the church calendar is what does that and i just pray that everything i do with my kids is building their muscles of righteousness that they are going to be built up in the faith so that when a time of testing comes, they're not like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. Right. Like, okay. Yeah, it's not fun. But remember Lent? Lent's not fun. But yeah. it's good. It's, it's God is still present in that hard time. Yeah, I think that's so true. Well, and I mean, I don't have kids, but I love what, what you're producing and what your, your, um, ministry is. And I use a lot of it. I always tag you, but I use a lot of it on, you know, my own church's social media stuff because the way that you present it is wonderful for children, but I think it's also wonderful for adults. And we are seeing, more like evangelical churches picking up Advent, Lent, you know, the seasons of the church. But you're kind of, I mean, you do a lot of children's work, but you're also, I think, are feeling pulled to do stuff for adults as well, right? I am, absolutely. I actually have my first book for adults um, coming out in September, and it's on the church year. It's a family guide to center your year around Jesus. It's called Sacred Seasons. And I'm really excited to put that out there, but I'm also constantly surprised the number of adults who talk to me about the baby believer books and say, I have learned so much from your books and been encouraged by your work. And I just say, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Um, It was not what I intended when I sat down to write children's books, but I am so thrilled that parents and children alike can read scripture in that context and come away encouraged by it. Yeah. I mean, I think I've said this on the podcast before, um, you know, as a cradle Episcopalian, I mean, Alan has got the Bible. He grew up and in, in, with Bible drills and swords and I, and I, I did not. And so I think I remember like when I was going to meet with the bishop and all the Dyson folks about going to seminary, I remember going and picking up like the children's Bible and like going through like real quick <laughs> and learning the stories because I just didn't feel, and I think we do a much, but I grew up in the eighties. So it, we just didn't do a lot of that in, in the Episcopal church. And I think we do a lot more and are much better about it now, but I think some of the children's books are some of my best resources and where I learn and I use them with my youth, my adults, my everybody all the time. Um, and then I'm always just like kind of mind blown in some ways when I do like a confirmation class and I've got adults sitting in there. They have no idea. They just think epiphany. Oh, that's just the season of the church, but they don't get what you were talking about. The connection to Jesus's life Mm -hmm. that we didn't, some really smart man didn't sit down and just go, Oh, this epiphany, that sounds like a good word. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there is like a, a connection to who Jesus is and it's all there to deepen our faith. 
Absolutely. And it's a wonderful tool for that, I think. Yes. It's such, it's such a great tool for that. Um, you know, even just seeing my kids year after year, the things they've learned, the stories that they can recite to me or re-recite to me, just watching them sink deeper and deeper into like, I think about it as like tracks, like you're, you're moving around the same track kind of over and over again. Of course, it's also like an upward moving spiral moving us towards heaven. Um, but the tracks are deepening and they are walking over them again and again and again, but learning something new each time. And I just think that's such like, that's such a metaphor for what scripture is in the story of Christ. Like you can come back to it over and over and over again and still get something new out of it in each new experience and season of your life. Well, isn't that what we do in the yeah. church with the three year cycle of the lectionary? You yes. know, I was reading the gospel last Sunday and this literally like went through my head. I have a very faithful member of the parish who's, I think he's 93 and I don't think he misses a Sunday. And I, it was, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, blessed are the weak, you know, and I thought to myself, I wonder how many times he's heard this. Mm. And yet it still does not get old. It is still not something that we can't learn from. It's still not, you know, and so I think that repetitiveness, somebody thought that was a good idea. Maybe that people that like are educators and know how people learn. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something to that. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking, so I have 14 and 12 year old boys and, you know, their dad works for God. And so one of my biggest fears is that they will resent God because of that. Mm. Um, But, you know, they're stuck at church a lot um, because they have to go with me and, and spend all day there. But I think about that. So Ford is 14 years old, you know, so he's on his fifth cycle through. So we're reading the Beatitudes. He's heard the Beatitudes five times. He's heard his dad preach on the Beatitude five times, right? It's not, you know, other traditions, right? Like Episcopal preaching needs some work. Um, one thing we don't need work on is cherry picking what we preach on. Yeah. <laughs> there are some traditions that maybe need to work on that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. where like you're going to, some traditions may do a year on the Beatitudes and that's all they ever do for 20 years. Right. Mm-hmm. We have this cycle to where we're going to read healing stories every three years. We're going to read every three years. And so folks can hear them from different angles. And I constantly um, have folks come up and, and be like, you know, like, Hearing, we have an African deacon, and so he, when he proclaims the gospel, it's an accent that that takes little effort to to hear. And folks will say, you know, I've I've heard X, Y, and Z a million times, but I heard something different today. Hopefully, they can say the same thing about a sermon, but at least in just hearing the scripture over and over. I mean, that's what these daily rituals are about. It's what you know. I think the baby believer stuff is about kids. Right. Kids don't need a million books because they like choose the two that they want to hear all the time. And I've been there and they they want to know the stories by heart because they want to know what's coming. Yes. I think that's true with scripture. We need to know the story by heart so that we know what's coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I released a baby believer book on Psalm 23 in the fall, and it has rapidly become my four year old's most favorite book. And she has worked so hard to memorize that book. And it's just the straight text of Psalm 23. There's no, I've done no embellishing or adding to or explanation. It's just the text. And it's been such a delight to know that she can recite that Psalm almost from memory. Um, 
And we get to the black page, which is, um, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil if you are with me. And she's like, mom, I don't want to go there. And I say, well, sweetie, we don't always have a choice. But what the Bible tells us, what this verse tells us is that God will be with us in the, in the dark valley, even, even when we have to go there. And she flips back to the first page, which is brown and has the shepherd holding cradling the lamb in its arms. And she's like, Jesus takes care of whammy and he takes care of me. I said, that's right. Right. And so we read that. And I think she has now connected those those things in her head is like Jesus is with her in the dark valley. And that page no longer frightens her when we get there and she reads it or she recites it. Um, she can't read yet. And then we move right along. And I pray that this is a passage of scripture that just sits in her heart and mind for her whole life. That these yeah. like little lessons she's learning at, at the tender age of three and four are lessons she will carry with her into adulthood. What a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, our time goes really fast. So, Danielle, I want to just ask really quick, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, I, I just am such a fan of your work, and I'm so honored that we got to interview you today and share your work with our listeners if they're not already um, following you and, you know, checking in on your good stuff. Well, I'm just really grateful to have been on with you and talk to you both today. It's always delightful to have conversations with people who are doing the work of ministry. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Yeah. And so we're going to, like we said, we're going to link all the stuff. We we encourage you um, to follow Danielle and her ministry. Um, it's important. You will love it. You will, you will learn. And your relationship with God will deepen. And remember, listeners, we love you, but most importantly, God does. 